0: you ever get the feeling that everything in america is completely fucked up you know that feeling that the whole country is
1: like one inch away from saying that's it forget it
0: (sighs) yeah that sounds about right in fact personal show problem and first world problem even worse last night i realized i was going to make a fake ad for this show and then I realized that was 11 days ago. That was for last Monday, and I never did it for the 1776 commission, you know? Play on words for the Pepsi slogan, because we talked about Pepsi, the choice of a racist nation. And it just completely slipped my mind, because this show and every, how many other outrages have there been since then? So many. Anyway, I'm Robert. I'm Sarah. Uh And we're here to talk, I guess, about Pump Up the Volume, Uh minutes 37 to 40. Which were a total mess. <laughs> they're, not a, they're not a total mess, but there is very little going on. In fact, it's good that we're doing this four minutes at a time, because you know what happens in the first minute of this segment? Mark crosses the street, walks into a postal center, puts on sunglasses, and I don't think he'd even opened his box yet at the end of the first minute. I was like, oh my god.
1: So but you do get some cool things, because... You get to see those late 80s cars. One of them looked just like that 90 Toyota Corolla that we had forever. <laughs> a red one, same, like right in the middle. of
0: There's also a chance that his uh, mother's Jeep that he borrows later is parked yeah. in the lot. Like it was one of the few vehicles oh, they nice. had on the production.
1: Also, one of the things that's a mess is doesn't really make sense that he walks out into the sun, puts on the sunglasses as he goes into the store. Does he really think that sunglasses are going to stop anybody from recognizing who he is in a town where presumably everyone goes to the same shopping center? And then he leaves and takes them off. Like, wow. That's so his
0: scripted disguise, too. Yeah. In the script. He puts on the sunglasses.
1: I know. I'm like, okay, dude. <laughs> just made me laugh.
0: This location is currently a sports bar, by the way, as far as I can tell. It's in Sagas, California. The intersection is Haskell Canyon and Bouquet Canyon. The chiropractor next door is still a chiropractor. And uh, the rental, the movie rental place, which I'll mention later, is not a movie rental place though. But uh, if you want to go to this location, it's called La Esmeralda. I don't know if it's open because, you know, lockdown and we're not Florida Yeah. yet.
1: We will be pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, I heard them. I heard everything's opening up in the next week or so. Retail. So. Uh,
0: but, yeah, Mark looks around and then puts his sunglasses on before he walks inside. <laughs> That's his disguise. And his no- way of not being, you know, suspicious or noticeable is to look around at random things. Yeah. Not buy anything. Hang out, look, right. And then walk directly over to his box and then open his mail while he's still standing. Yeah. <laughs> he has no clue what he's doing. <laughs> Wait till yeah. the police get involved. He will be screwed. <laughs> And then His box, by the way, really quick, mm-hmm. is F one, not twenty seven ten.
1: Does he say it's twenty seven? Yes. Oh. And his man.
0: mail is labeled as twenty seven ten.
1: So does that count as one of those little is that a continuity error? That's not a continuity error exactly. It's, like it's, it's just it is. a mistake.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he gets a red envelope and opens it immediately. I assume yeah. that's where you are.
1: Yeah, then it becomes more of a mess. <laughs> the whole conversation. <laughs> I thought this conversation was fine. I thought it was terrible. <laughs> Good, so we could both we could both talk about why.
0: But yeah, we hear Nora's uh, new letter in her voice, even though he's reading it and doesn't know she's her. Uh, where she says, "You're the voice crying out in the wilderness. You're the voice that makes my brain burn and makes m- and make my guts go gooey. Yeah, you gut me, my insides spill on your altar. Which, by the way, altar is spelled wrong yes. in the script." Mm-hmm. I was correcting it in the transcript, and I looked at the actual script. I'm like, "Wait, that's wrong." <laughs> it had "er." And tell the future, my steaming, gleaming guts spell out your nature. I know you not. I know you not your name, but your game. I know the true you. Come to me, or I'll come to you. And we see Nora's already following him. She was outside the window when he opened his box, and she comes up next to him as he finishes reading. So she she apparently can hear the voiceover too. She knew when it was over.
1: So. Part of, I mean, this letter is just so over the top. I don't know. As a teenage girl, writing teenage girl things, I just struggle with even
0: You didn't writing. write this kind of letter to your favorite DJ?
1: No, or to anybody. <laughs> like, ever. Even boys, I had crushes on which story I've told you had a letter to a crush that I wrote on. Get taken by one of the Mm. girls in my class and read by a teacher in front of the class, which was mortifying enough, but at least the letter wasn't anything like this. But it's kind of funny because it's like, not sure. I mean, I know you, not your name, but your game. I don't even think Mark knows what his game is at this point. Like, he has no idea what he's doing. That's what.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) What is it she's even. Talking which
0: about, we don't need to talk about it because you've only heard it once. But in the song that takes its title from mm-hmm. that, she had the voice in the musical. She talks about how he had he was just a boy at first, and he just was doing I forget the phrasing, but just doing stupid things, and then he became something else.
1: Yeah,
0: which is the point. Even at this point, I'm not sure she expects him to be something else.
1: No, she. And she knows him so well, she knows his game, but she can't even tell when he had been right in front of her multiple times. Like, this just doesn't ring. So, to get calm for a minute, narrative paradigm, does something ring true to you? Like, no, it just doesn't. So, I'm listening to this. This is so ridiculous. But it also seems like, well, I guess that's not fair. Because she doesn't necessarily know that Malcolm died yet. I'm like, her reaction's kind of
0: No, she mentions it.
1: Okay. Right, right. It's not your fault she gets that. So she knows. We don't know how she knows,
0: but she knows. Maybe she saw him walking away sullenly and was like, what's going on? Asked some other student outside. Yeah.
1: So it seems like I realize he's reading the letter. She's not actually saying this in front of him. But her next reaction, like, so you are him. Don't worry, I'm not going to bust you. It's like, here's a guy who's leaving school after the person he was talking to just committed suicide it seems like a very odd start
0: to yes
1: a conversation as well
0: (laughs) which so we don't know much about nora yet in a way it paint it paints a very specific kind of bizarreness to her character which might be consistent at least
1: i think it's it's just weird but i
0: think it's consistent
1: no i think it's just another terribly written female character (laughs) so and it's really odd That she says, aren't you going to ask who I am? I don't know. She sits two freaking seats away from him in English class. And
0: she just introduced herself to him this morning. Yeah. Although, depending on what she was just smoking in the art supply room.
1: I don't think she was smoking anything (laughs) that heavy. that She (laughs) didn't remember the conversation she had or didn't remember this is the boy who's been in her English class. Teacher has read this student's writing. He's literally feet from her. Yeah, she checked him out
0: when they read their writing. Yeah.
1: So then Mark says I don't think so no he's not going to ask her who she is which i guess makes sense cuz he should already know who she is so
0: right <laughs> that's not see, why he he's says doing that, this right but, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but at least in context his words make sense so then she identifies herself as the eat me beat me lady
0: and now i'm I betting you're glad means... we didn't hear that oh my letter <laughs> cuz it would have been written poorly
1: oh yeah And Mark says he can't handle this right now, which is true. Mm -hmm. I don't really know why she's in her face or in his face doing all of this. Say that again. Which is true. I don't know why she's in his face doing all of this anyway right now. It doesn't make sense. I do feel like he would be more curious about her being the eat me, beat me lady, but.
0: Maybe he's, he's more attentive and he knows exactly who she is and what she's about. No. he pays attention in English class.
1: I, I don't get that impression <laughs> at all. He seems to not know what's going on with any of his... That's true. ...guests. And there is kind of a repeated theme, which even comes up later in this segment, of him being terrified of women. hmm So... Which is odd, because apparently he talked to ones in New York all the time. But whatever, we won't get too far ahead. But now he's suddenly terrified of all the ones in Arizona, which doesn't make sense either. <laughs> but
0: yeah, we'll get to that when the New York thing comes up. Um, I would just like to point out this movie just helped me discover. I I don't think it's very good from the reviews, but a movie I had never even heard of called The Prince of Pennsylvania. P- Prince, the Prince of Pennsylvania, <laughs> uh, starring Keanu Reeves and Fred Ward. As a son who kidnaps his own father to try to get ransom money. And apparently it's a comedy. And they walk past the poster of it at the movie rental place. And the other posters, other than Critters, I didn't recognize. So probably some other obscure movies. Uh She grabs the letter out of his hand to prove she's her. She says, so you don't believe me. Uh, and then, without unfolding it, reads the last line of it. Because, again, she memorizes her poetry writings. She handwrites it for the yeah. first time. ever. <laughs> And then she tells him, hey, relax, I'm not really like that, except when I am. So, yeah, she's flirting. Yeah. And being confrontational when she apparently knows that he's upset.
1: Yeah, about (laughs) suicide that just happened, which, yeah. Because,
0: yeah, her next line is, look, look, it's not your fault. I mean, I was listening last night. I didn't think he'd go through with it. She seems pretty callous about that. Yeah. And that's when she finally stops getting, being in his way and he gets past her and runs away into, <laughs> into the alleyway behind the building.
1: And which, her even saying, look, it's not your fault kind of implies that it's le- at least worth a discussion whether it's his fault or, yeah. or not. Or his fault or not. <laughs> Otherwise, why bring it up? You mm-hmm. wouldn't say, look, it's not your fault unless it was possibly his fault or at least partly his fault.
0: And so then we, uh, and the scene with her walking back toward the camera, and then we cut to the Hunter residence. Dinner.
1: Oh, gosh. Dinner. See, <sighs> these whole four minutes are a mess. I'm <laughs> I
0: well, Before we get to the food, because I saw this first, the wooden statues on the desk that I talked about before have been not just rearranged, but they're in reverse organization. They were the Uncle Sam-looking one, the woman, the man, the child— now they are child, man, woman, uncle Sam, look. <laughs> and they're not at the back of the desk, they're like right in the middle.
1: I think there's any reason someone's for been... that whatsoever, just how they're putting, placing things and...
0: Probably they just remembered they were on the desk and they're like, yeah. oh, they're filming in someone's house. And yeah. Like, we gotta put these here.
1: I don't know. And so then we see the meal and what is even going on with this <laughs> meal? We have a casserole dish that is a completely different thing than what's actually on their plate that they appear to be eating. They have some really bizarre salad green mold thing. What even is that? Do you I know what know. that is? No. It wasn't like an actual salad, but it didn't really look like a jello mold. I don't know what they what they put there. Uh, they have no napkins, no drinks,
0: but they got soy sauce.
1: But soy sauce. And you would think with the soy sauce, that doesn't make any sense with what they're eating. They'd be thirsty, and they definitely need drinks. But yeah, and. <laughs> the whole dinner's kind of messy, and apparently they don't need napkins either.
0: That... No, Mark has one.
1: Right, Mark has a cloth napkin.
0: He has a cloth one. But yeah. they don't. Maybe they're in their laps. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure where his was until he picked it up. So, I don't Maybe they just won't have more on the table. <laughs> uh Yeah. And, and the mother says, we heard about Malcolm Kaiser. We know, and the father says, just wondering if you knew him, and Mark says, no, not really. And in the script, Keith, the father, in the movie, his name's Brian, says, so senseless, he had so much to live for, and Mark says, they always say that. And Marta, not Marla, as she is in the film, says, Mark, and Keith, I'm pretty sure this is not a word, or it's not the right word. Uh It said, portentously?
1: Hmm. I think portentously is a word. Portentously is like a portent is seeing into the future.
0: Well, I thought that's into port- the
1: future.
0: Portent- I don't know. I think it felt to me like a weird mix between pretentiously and portent, port- I guess it would be portentously. My English got stuck. And then Keith says portentously, port- portent, <laughs> I can't say the word. <laughs> portentiously. portentiously. Can we be serious for a moment? Your mom and I have been talking. Well, with the strain of moving, and we figured, well, I figured. You see, I know how important it is for a teenager to have friends. Changing schools is tough. Hell, I know that as well as anyone. What I mean is, there are good professionals out there who, and then that segues into the line we do get, which is, Mark, i got to ask you something. Your mother and I have been talking, I guess we realize that, and then Marla jumps in, or Marta, in the script, and says, basically we thought that you might benefit from maybe seeing a psychiatrist.
1: Yeah, so which is great phrasing. So you were citing a lot from the musical, I believe.
0: No, that's the script for the movie.
1: Because the film itself seemed like it jumped pretty quickly yeah. from.
0: He just goes asking to like, about
1: suicide mm-hmm. to hey, you need to see a shrink. It doesn't really.
0: Yeah, the the, the script version of the father Keith is both more wordy, and uh, we'll see you later maybe kind of more of a dick instead of just like oblivious.
1: So they're not really listening to him i mean they clearly care or they wouldn't ask at all but of course it's going to put a teenager on the defensive if you kind of quickly jump to say like hey do you want to see a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. without like really asking them how they feel about things sure you could ask a teen how they feel about things and a lot of times they're just gonna be like i'm not gonna talk to you or get angry or whatever yeah but if you don't even ask that first and jump straight to Seeing a psychiatrist, you're now implying that something in Mark is broken and wrong Uh rather than there being something wrong with society that needs to be fixed that's leading to a situation where young people need feel the need to commit suicide in the first place.
0: Which in the movie he said, is it that obvious in the script? He says, so I'm insane. Is it that obvious? But yeah, and they're also connecting it not just to like today. If they said like, do you want us to find someone you can talk to about? Malcolm. Yeah. Like thinking maybe he knew this kid. But no, they're taking this day where if he knew this kid, it's probably not the time to talk about this.
1: Right, exactly.
0: And if he didn't, it's also not the time to talk about this.
1: Yeah, they're not really, they're not even connecting mm. Malcolm with his feelings. It's just like, hey, did you know this kid? Oh, yeah. you didn't? Okay, that's cool. By the way, you should see And then they're about to leave to whether like or not he has a
0: girlfriend, basically. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they're not doing well. Keith and Marta. Or Brian and Marla. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, he says, is, is it that obvious? And Marla says, no, honey, of course not. We think you're perfect. <laughs> but it just seems that here you're so sad and lonely all the time. And Brian says, we just want you to feel good about yourself. They they, they sound like, I think this is a good thing for the movie, but they sound like parents in an after-school special. Yeah. like They, they want the best for you they have to tell you they want the best for you because it's not obvious.
1: And part of this that's also having trouble ringing true is if he had friends in New York, now he suddenly adopted all of the nonverbal mannerisms of somebody who's essentially been social. Like, our personalities don't change that much. Our no, schools the, might change. The, the only way, the only way
0: their take on this makes actual sense <laughs> is if in New York... Yeah, he had a bunch of friends, but they were all a bunch of quiet, and nerdy types like him. And maybe they'd known he'd known him since they were little kids, and so they saw them all the time. They came over and at the house, they were comfortable, so they all talked a lot, and they just assumed he's a talkative person. It's like they were blind to who he was before. This isn't just the change from moving. No, I mean Arizona sucks, but
1: <laughs> I mean a lot of times depression, anxiety, things like that do develop in teenagehood that wouldn't have happened yet in a smaller and a younger child. It's the same thing with Malcolm. We don't know for sure if that was a Little League picture, but he easily could have been a Little League kid. Maybe he had friends, maybe he mm-hmm. was whatever. And then when we get to teenagehood, we start struggling and de- and developing more anxiety and depression, and parents aren't necessarily the best at dealing with it. I don't know. When... Marla says, have you ever just walked up to a girl here and said hi? Reminds me, I had a friend of mine who said that his sister told him that he should just stand on this street on Holly- in Hollywood that had a lot of people in it and just start approaching girls and just saying hi to them. And I was thinking, if he actually did that, he'd probably end up designated a creeper in <laughs> really quickly like, like yeah like this is not I realize it's not the same as just like walking up to a girl here and saying hi but I don't know she just seems so out of touch with yeah him. it's
0: also like a <laughs> deliberate irony because we saw him do that exactly today.
1: yeah he he did he just said hi to her so you.
0: yes he has
1: but when he responds look the girls here they're different i can't talk to them it gives me kind of incelish vibes almost like it's just <laughs> Girls are scary, <laughs> I can't talk to them, and they're horrible, and oh my god, and I can't- Nora freaks me, I mean I can kinda see why Nora freaks them out a little yeah, bit, she's, she's a really bit, weird, but- She's a
0: bit out, she's something. <laughs> but,
1: but, I assume they also had preps, punks, every other type in New York, and I don't know how they'd be so different here in Arizona either, like, there are only so many different archetypes of people, and- it's just <laughs> If really though, it doesn't make any sense. So, I think it might just be a, a writing problem with this film in general. Mm, yeah. When you watch it, just an hour forty straight, you don't notice some of these things as much as.
0: Or you don't really you, with some of the characters you don't the, care. Like yeah. <laughs> your parents aren't written that great. Oh well, they're not that important anyway. Yeah. So we can we can look over it when we're watching at normal pace. There's a nice shot here, though, when they get to Marla saying, how are they different? We're Mm -hmm. at a wide shot that does not include Mark because he got up from the table. Yeah. So it's like he's not in the conversation anymore, (laughs) visually. And that's when his father decides to bring up the fact that he talked to the English teacher today. And Mark says in, uh, in the film, oh, come on, Dad, please. It's creepy enough around here, there, without you snooping around. But the father continues, she says, you've got a great promise as a writer, but you're having trouble concentrating. Where did I put the lines? Oh, oh, I didn't put that because it was close enough. Okay. Uh, There's a great shot of Marla here because she doesn't seem impressed at all by this conversation anymore. (laughs) She's over it. (laughs) She knows Mark's walking away. It's done already. Stop talking.
1: Yeah. And then you have Mark's line, which you liked and had a reference to Johnny
0: here. So So when is Johnny going to concentrate? Huh? Get happy, get a girlfriend, and then write a bestseller, huh? Which, I thought the reference was even more specific to the 80s, like when is Johnny gonna think, but probably there were things that reference this, is it seems to be a reference specifically to Rudolph Flesh's 1955, originally, book, Why Johnny Can't Read and What You Can Do About It, which was a bestseller for 37 weeks. It was a critique of the trendy practice of teaching reading by sight. And the flaw of this method, according to Flesh, was that it required brute force memorization with no theory behind it. Uh, Flesch advocated the revival of the phonics method, which meant you learn to sound out words. Yes. Instead. But. Then, in 1973, Morris Klein wrote a similar titled book, Why Johnny Can't Add, which was about how we <laughs> don't teach math right. And then Rudolf Flesh himself did a follow-up book in 81 called Why Johnny Still Can't Read, A New Look at the Scandal of Our Schools. and 96, that's actually after this movie, Mary Pesci wrote, Why Johnny ain't never going to read A Challenge to the Nation. And then the Johnny reference also had me thinking of Dalton Trumbo's Johnny Got His Gun, which is patriotic, son goes to war, and ends up basically being completely mutilated in an explosion. And really depressing. Most of you probably know the footage from the Metallica video.
1: Right. Yeah, Maybe one of the most depressing music videos of all time. Yes. Not the oh, the
0: book one. is worse. <laughs> yeah. I've never... Uh, have I watched... I don't remember if I've seen the movie version. I think I watched it when I read the book. But that was after I saw the Metallica videos, so I already knew it was going to be depressing.
1: And this reference definitely seems purposeful since a lot of their theme in the film is this look at the education, mm-hmm. the educational system.
0: Yeah, the movie doesn't deal much with how people teach. But it does deal with how people run a school. Yes. And uh Keith has a line here in the script where he says, I refuse to be treated like an idiot for worrying about you. And Mark tells him to leave him alone. Which, I don't, I don't know how to take that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then their conversation just escalates, but Mark's pretty checked out of it. He says, can't talk to you people, and I certainly ain't going to see a shrink. And what I like is... When Brian or Keith... I feel like this could be confusing to people listening as you keep jumping back and forth out of character. In the
0: the script, he's Keith. In the film, he's he's Mark's father. Who cares?
1: But Brian in the film says, Listen, Mark, everyone's got problems, not just you, but you ain't going to solve them if you don't communicate them. And what I like about this is he's ironically saying this as he's yelling and failing to communicate.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, and more irony, you've got to talk to somebody... Might be where Mark's going. He doesn't know that, but he's going to go talk to everybody else. That's not really, communi- well, one-way communication. is still communication. Yeah. It might help. And, yeah, Marla puts her hands up. She's like, okay, he's gone. He's yeah, gone he's back, back downstairs. What <laughs> she doesn't say, which totally fits is, are you happy? <laughs> yeah. Seems like this happens a lot.
1: And then we come to the end of this four-minute mi- four segment with Shep Shepard who's reporting in front of the funeral
0: home. Yep, Paradise Hills Mortuary. Yes. For KSFB-TV Channel 6.
1: And so family and friends of Malcolm Kaiser sadly come and go into the night, even as phantom DJ Happy Harry Hardon prepares to broadcast anonymously from somewhere in this formerly peaceful community. So it's all Happy Harry Hardon's fault for destroying their peaceful community. This is
0: Shep Shepard reporting live from Paradise Hills, Arizona.
1: (laughs) And... It was all paradise till he showed up. So we also see a ton of people flooding into the mortuary when we know that Malcolm didn't really have any friends, which mm-hmm. is a common thing. When, yeah. Yeah.
0: And, you know, I guess it's problematic messaging in a way, if for someone who is suicidal if they saw this. Yeah. Is it people will come to your funeral and you'll be on the news?
1: Exactly. That's part of what schools say they they're trying to avoid yeah. when they don't address things as well as they should, is that they don't want a situation where it's
0: well, not glorified no,
1: exactly in the media. It's but, not even
0: glorifying. Um, we, exactly, read, yeah. we read we read a history article. It was the 1870s in Russia, where any time a suicide was reported in a newspaper, there would be another suicide in the newspaper, like two days later, and another one a few days later. They'd get yeah. in clumps. And it wasn't that it was glorifying, because it was just right, facts.
1: Not, yeah. It was...
0: Someone who is feeling down and suicidal sees this article and is like, they, it may, it suddenly, it makes more sense. Like that person went ahead and did it. I guess yeah. it's okay. And yeah, reporting on it at the news on this local story, maybe not the best move, but we won't see where that goes until later because this segment's over.
1: You can hear life as a playlist, my other show, which is a mix of social commentary, autobiography, and music but heavy on the social and political commentary lately you can also follow my life as a playlist accounts on social media
0: and speaking of death and this week are the funeral scenes go listen to two minutes about time very different kind of movie uh rom-com with time travel but a lot of uh death and sadness and dealing with people's problems speak out they can't stop you find your voice and use it keep this thing going pick a name go on the air your life take charge of it do it try it try anything fill your guts out say shit and fuck a million times if you want to but you decide just fill the air steal it keep the air alive follow this show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Pump up the minute, or go to lemondrops.com for links to that show, this show and many others. Talk hard! Everybody knows. Everybody knows. That's how